talk about it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mutants, Flares, and Jedi. Oh, my. Oh, my. Giselle. Yes. What are we talking about today? Because I know this is like one of your faves. It is one of my faves. Today, we are talking about The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. I don't know why. <laughs> so, Giselle, I want to hear, because I know this is like one of your favorite movies, one of your favorite characters, Batman. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I want to hear your experience of seeing this movie for the first time, because I know it's a story. <laughs> it is a story. <laughs> and I don't have one, because I don't remember this, this old man doesn't remember her seeing this movie the first time. Okay. <laughs> I remember Batman Begins. I don't know why. I, I have no recollection. That's so okay. let's start with your first time seeing this movie. Okay. I would like to say, first and foremost, I will do my best to give the most abbreviated version of the story possible. So I apologize. <laughs> if, settle in. <laughs> so everyone, I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're in a happy place. Get your coffee. Settle down. Feel, feel free to hit that pause button. I would not blame you at all. Yeah, find, his, find your zen. So I was absurdly excited for this movie before it came out. I was so happy with how Batman Begins was done. And then over time when they were announcing this movie and what was going to happen in this movie, the characters that were going to be involved, I was just, I was almost exploding with excitement. I kid you not. Anyone who knew me at that time can tell you I was probably the most annoying person to be around because every day I would come to work, I would talk to my friends and say, oh my God, did you hear Harvey Dent's going to be in this movie? Oh my God. And they're going to have the Joker and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, Giselle, shut the fuck up. Oh my God. Do not get- <laughs> things have really changed now you're way less annoying anyway only 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 slightly only Only old age has calmed me Uh, of course she says with a high-pitched voice anyway so (laughs) uh, the experience waiting for this movie and getting excited for this movie was so much freaking fun because they did a viral campaign and it was just such a great time to be a fan of something and this was my personal my first personal experience dealing with a viral campaign and I participated in so many of them there were the scavenger hunts and then there was also a lot of stuff online where you had to go to different websites and through these viral campaigns you would if you completed them you would get a glimpse of a promotional photo for instance the way we got to see the first official photo of the Joker the one of him in the jail cell was completing a kind of a game so to speak through a viral campaign so anyway it was so much fun just leading up to this movie so when it came time to actually see the movie this is probably the closest thing I will ever have to a wedding in the sense that all I invited all of my favorite people to come see this movie with me <laughs> really no I'm not kidding I had my favorite co-workers who became my friends just friends I had known for a long time oh gosh it was so much fun and I totally oh my gosh I dressed up I spray. Who, who did you dress up as? Joker. I was cute. Okay. I was a cute right. Joker. Let me paint this picture for you right now, everyone. As I said, this is a long story. Not sorry. So I put my hair in pigtails and I'd put green hairspray on it. I freaking sewed poorly a green vest. I had found a purple plaid shirt and then purple pants. And then I was wearing, I still own them, these high tops Batman Converse. <laughs> I know. I love it. Yeah. I know. It was so great. And then I had bought the official socks that he was wearing in the movie. So I was wearing the official Joker socks, like the little checkered pattern. I still own them, by the way. And so I fashioned this outfit. I was wearing like red lipstick. I didn't do the scarification on my face, but 
Because I was cute. <laughs> cute Joker. I was cute, cute baby <laughs> Joker. All of my friends were so nice coming with me and just indulging me in this experience. And this was... Because 11 years ago, in most theaters, you didn't reserve your seats ahead of time yet. You had to wait in line in order to get a good seat. That's changed now, which I'm kind of grateful for. But at the same time, there was something so fun about waiting in line and meeting other people who clearly were huge fans like yourself and getting to chat with them. And you could just feel the excitement in the air. So I literally waited in that damn line for eight hours. I got the ticket. That's a long time. I was committed. (laughs) Committed. The most committed I will ever be to anything. Anyway, so I was waiting in line for hours and it was just so, so awesome because we were all so excited and I got the tickets for the IMAX screen because I wasn't not going to see this movie on IMAX for the first time because at this point, this was the first movie to use as much specific IMAX footage ever. So we were waiting in line and then it was finally time to let us in the theater and I got a whole row for us and it was so great because we got in the theater about an hour before the actual movie started. A couple of people had brought bouncy balls. Someone had brought Heath bars to hand out in honor of Heath Ledger's. That's well, so great. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it's no doubt my favorite experience anticipating a movie, actually being in the theater with such a fun group of people. And we were all so happy and excited. And they even had people who worked at the theater dressed up really well. So there were Batmans walking around and legit looking Nolan versus specific Jokers walking around. And you could take photos with them. And it was just... That's so cool. That's was, fun. Yeah, it was so fucking fun. One of the many reasons why this is one of my favorite movies is because just the experience of anticipating it and just the crowd I got to see it with and the friends that got to be with me was just so awesome. And I'm so happy that I get to have that memory. And it was really joyful just to have that experience in itself and then actually see the movie, which somehow, let's face it, our expectations were absurdly high, you know, and the fact that it actually managed to for my personal experience, not just meet, but exceed those expectations, which is so cool. And that's not something I've necessarily had with many movies since. I mean, obviously I love movies. I love that form of storytelling. And this to me was something that captured so many elements that I love about filmmaking, that I love about that character. But anywho, so we're all stumbling out of that theater three o'clock in the morning and just happy. We're all talking about it and just feeling that energy and getting to experience was so fun. And that's one of the reasons why I love movies, especially when you see it an opening weekend and just getting to see it with fellow fans is because it's kind of like when we talk about seeing a horror movie in a crowded theater. It's just, yeah. it's this wonderful communal experience. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially seeing the movie like like you were saying like this in theater you just feed off the energy off of everybody else and mm-hmm. like it gets you more pumped than you would be if you're like I'm just gonna go and like watch this on Netflix like I totally. love you know having the convenience of Netflix which is when I watch this movie but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time but I think seeing it in theaters there's nothing there's almost like nothing like it and, oh totally you know, there's like to go to the movies I don't you know I think that might be waning a little bit um, now but I still think it's an experience that Totally fun. Yeah. It's fun. Absolutely. So as I said, that was as abridged as possible. So think if you (laughs) manage to survive that entire story, picture it's Sicily. If you manage to survive (laughs) that, thank you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Picture California, 2008. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I always get Sophia when I take the Golden Girls personality tests. Anywho. (laughs) No, but I think that's such a great story. I wish I could remember seeing this the first time. I do remember really enjoying Heath Ledger in this movie, oh. which I think 
Duh. And yeah. I remember just having a really great time and we'll talk about it more, but I think it's, it's, it stands up pretty damn well. It does. So yeah. Giselle, yes. rewatching it. Yes. Now what's your favorite? What did you think of it this time around? Honestly, I still thoroughly enjoy it as much now as I did then. It holds up and I'll go into it more thoroughly when we further discuss it. But a lot of the themes in it were so relevant 10 years ago. And I argue that some of them are even more relevant now. And it was interesting to experience that. There are, of course, things about it. We'll go into it further because those are important things to notice and discuss and things we always need to be improving upon. Thematically, though, and narratively, I think it absolutely holds up. I totally agree. I think this movie is so good. It's so good. Um, I think the acting is awesome. It's great. The character work is fabulous, especially for like the main four people that were the four white Main. Yeah. Straight. Totally. Yeah. Main. Yeah. Oh, characters that we're following. Um, you know, we have our Batman, we have Joker, we have Jim Gordon, and we have Harvey Dent. And those are people that we're really invested in and watching and watching their uh, struggles with each other mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff, which is really, really um, amazing. But yeah, I think thematically and narratively, the plot itself, I think everything is really works so well together. But yeah, I think the movie in, in and of itself is just really really good i have problems with it i have some nitpicky shit that has always bothered me Mm -hmm. about this movie but well it's not big it's because it's fucking good yeah (laughs) like as far as having a movie that's perfect quote-unquote i think there are always things about any movie no matter how fucking fantastic it is where oh you can maybe tweak this or that you know what i mean and i think it's important to be nitpicky because that's how we improve with future storytelling we learn from these experiences it doesn't mean that we're not trying to knock down how excellent something is but you also learn from it and then you apply it to stories and it's exciting to see how stories evolve from that absolutely I think let's discuss sequentially as much as possible important scenes that we really enjoyed and stuff that we kind of dug throughout the movie. I really liked, I I mean, just starting off the top, I really liked the opening sequence Mm -hmm. of them breaking into this bank, trying to unravel and just like the slow reveal of the Joker Uh. and just the plan and how ridiculous he is and um, how ridiculous that part is where they, okay, so the bus comes in and, like, hits the last goon and kills him. And how he drives out of a destroyed wall and just kind of joins the other buses. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, and nobody notices. And I was like, that might be the most comic book part of this whole movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody notices this bus driving out of a destroyed wall of a bank. Yeah, they're all just like, whatever, I've had a long day, don't care, it's Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> hashtag Gotham. Yeah. Hashtag Gotham City Problems. Like, it is <laughs> that opening sequence, I think, is perfect for this movie because we see this bank robbery happening. And then I love how on top of seeing how the Joker's mind works, getting an introduction of that, we also see this man played by William Fichter. I'm so sad that this is his only part in the movie this introduction he's this amazing character actor and the fact that he runs this bank and when shit's going down i love how he's just calmly in his little glass office takes off his glasses takes a breath and then the next thing you know he has a freaking shotgun just (laughs) and i love it because the first time i saw it i remember thinking this is gotham and i think this is the perfect way for us to really see this fictional metropolis city And then just that slow reveal of the Joker when he takes off his mask is just so great. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And I like all the extras that they cast as the clown goons to like help the Joker. Mm -hmm. They're 
the exposition isn't clunky. It's like they're telling, they're like, oh, this Joker guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it sounds like just that they're all having kind of misgivings about him a little bit. Like they're all like, he's a little bonkers, like just like kind of very normal conversational shit. And they're all like a little worried about working for this guy, Mm -hmm. Um, which read to me as very true to life. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I kind of always forget that this is how this movie starts because it's been a while since I've seen it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. This is fun. So the next scene I want to talk about, and like, I'll try to skip around a little bit more, but I think this is important. So we get our introduction to Batman. We get, Mm -hmm. we also get an introduction to a lot of the mobs and we also see the scarecrow in this next scene, which is like a follow up to the big scene. So the scarecrow is, uh, who is played by Killian Murphy, who I love. Great. And um, he's like wheeling and dealing in drugs and it's like causing all of these people to like trip out and like nonstop trip out and just like not be able to take drugs anymore. And like, but again, this is like the mob that's dealing in drugs has a bunch of dogs that eat people. So, you know, they're all making decisions. But anyway, so they start like yelling at each other and like they're all pissed off and have guns and whatnot. And then fake Batman start appearing and like shooting at them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the real Batman appears and Mm -hmm. he like starts to like take them all down. I thought it was a really... I mean, it's a great introduction, sort of, to Batman. He doesn't have a big entrance, but he has this great moment of, like, grabbing a gun and, and like, bending it. it. And, like, yeah. it's good. It's, it's good. It's yeah. good. I like that introduction for him. It has one of the cool sequences of him waiting for the car to go around the parking lot structure, that little spiral, and the way he tells yes. it, just jumping on it. It was cool to see the scarecrow because, of course, we were all wondering what happened to Dr. Crane. And I like how in this movie, and then even in The Dark Knight Rises, he'll just pop up and be like, hey, remember me? The audience would always get so excited anytime his character popped up, like, yes, Kelly and Murphy! I like this introduction because it's something that the movie will go into further. And I think one of the flaws, and I don't mean flaws as far as how the character is written, but character choice flaws that leads into choices he eventually has to make later in the movie, learning from his own mistakes. You have these men who are clearly inspired by Batman. And they say, after he detains all of them and puts them on the ground, and they say, what gives you the right? We want to help too. It introduces the fact that they'll go into further in the movie. That's one of the mistakes that Bruce Wayne makes is Batman. He is only willing to work by himself. And that's one of the reasons why shit starts to go down. This is what introduces that. He's a little guilty of hubris in that regard. Yeah. And this was filmed the right way to me. Like sometimes like there's like the fighting in in these movies is not the strongest. Like it's just the choreography. Like I I don't think I, you know, I mean, you compare it to please. Like you compare it to like America or like some of these movies that just the choreography is like, yes, yes. See, to me, it's like, and we're close up, we're doing like a mid shot, <laughs> he's punching someone, he's sort of like tripping over his own cape, he's twirling, he's punching another person. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, see, yeah, that's, what, that's something that doesn't stand out to me while I'm watching it. And it's funny you right. bring up Captain America because I actually prefer the fight scenes in these movies to the way they shoot them in a lot of the Marvel movies. Sometimes the way they shoot the ones in the Marvel movies, I get I go a little crazy because I'm like, no, like too many quick cuts, stop, 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 stop. That's purely getting nitpicky, by the way, because clearly I dig those yeah, movies. It didn't stand out to me as much in this. This one I thought was much better than mm-hmm. the third one. Um, but like, even compare it, like it's not my favorite movie, obviously. We just talked about it. Batman v Superman, where there is that scene of him taking down this entire building of goo. Like, you compare those two things, like that Batman v Superman looking much better 
the Dark Knight. Wow. Everyone, James just said something nice about Batman v Superman. Everyone take a shot right now. (laughs) It will never happen again. Yeah. That is actually one of my favorite scenes from Batman v Superman is that takedown because I remember thinking, yes, that is awesome. Going back to the Dark Knight, something I do love about the fight choreography is the style that they use. Someone, please, please, please correct me if I'm wrong. Based upon what I've read, it's heavily based from Krav Maga, which is a Mm -hmm. unique style of fighting. It's very grounded. And I'm glad that they use that for this incarnation of Batman. If you've listened to past podcasts, you know I'm kind of a nut for fight choreography. And so I love that style that they use. It's very much based in using your shoulders and your arms. And I had never seen that before on film. So I was always excited just to get to see it. I like like that they based it on a real fighting style. Mm -hmm. I think all of that's great incorporating that. I just... There are times where I'm like, I just want Batman to be like less awkward and human looking. And I want him to be like a superhero. And there are times where I'm like, I'm taken out of that a little bit because of how this movie is structured, which is just more of a realistic take (laughs) on a guy dressing up in the bat suit and fighting crime. Yeah. That's why I like these movies in particular is for that very reason. It is grounded in reality. This is quote unquote real. You know what I mean? As far as like there are no superpowers involved. These are real dudes fighting the best way they can considering that these are human beings. Yeah. So, so the next sort of important scene is we have, we established like Alfred is coming to the bat, like this, like this temporary bat cave. Yeah. It's on the docks and it's this beautiful, huge room with all this incredible technology. And this is when we get to see Bruce Wayne, not in the bat suit for the first time. This is a cool scene because this carries out the theme that they introduce when we see Batman for the first time, as far as Bruce Wayne's idealism, but also a little bit of his hubris, I would say. Alfred says, know your limits. Batman doesn't have limits. And Alfred even says, you know, dude, hire them, take the day off. (laughs) <laughs> so the fact Joking, so he's not serious but like, right but, um, that, but i think he is serious about taking a day off <laughs> i know <laughs> because you, you tell Alf, alfred's like i i care about you dude like yeah come on see all the damage on him the physical damage the toll of being batman just physically so we know like he hasn't interrupted his like his work basically of being batman between movies like we know that he's yeah. like he's figured out a different way of Operating, he has this new Batcave, which is really funny because it's so not the Batcave mm-hmm. of comics or any sort of iteration we've ever seen. It's very brightly lit. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like nothing we've ever seen for a Batcave before, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, and I think it's a great scene. And you know, Michael Caine, he's Dude, great. Michael, Michael fucking Caine, Caine. Oh. so good. Going back to a question you asked earlier, yet another reason why I love this movie so much and Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises. This general franchise, this interpretation of these characters is because I felt like the way it was written and the way it was directed and the way it was performed by all the actors, it's like they captured everything I personally love about these characters. So yeah, him as Alfred is like, yes, it's like, can I have a butler like (laughs) you who's like kind of like a father figure who just wants the best for me? Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect casting. Michael Caine is great. The next scene we see, speaking of Batman Begins, we get our first shot of Rachel Dawes, who's mm-hmm. back. But doesn't quite look like she did in the first. Yeah. <laughs> and no one questions it, and I'm totally cool with it. I support it. Yeah. Katie Holmes is not great, and she wasn't great in Batman Begins, and she continues to not be great every time she appears on any type of screen. <laughs> Don't know why you cast her in the first place. That's fine. She was way too young to play the love interest for Christian Bale. Anyway, 
<laughs> no, I, I have to be honest. I didn't care for Katie Holmes' interpretation of Rachel Doss. Part of it just might be merit of being a lone female character in the movie and what she stood for, to be fair. The funny thing is, I like Katie Holmes and a lot of the other stuff that she does, but for some reason, just the Rachel Dawes interpretation just did not do it for me. So when they recast yeah. her with Maggie Gyllenhaal, I was like, not mad. No. Not mad. That's who would have been in the first one. So many of the other movies I've seen her in, I've loved her performances. She was in this movie called The Gift, and she was amazing in that. A lot of the other stuff she's done, as I said, I liked her. And I feel bad saying this because I don't usually like to bag on actors and be like, man, 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 I didn't like this. I have to. I'm going. He's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm such a huge fan of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I was even before The Dark Knight came out. So, of course, when I found out that she was cast, I was so excited because I thought, okay, you changed the one complaint I had about Batman Begins. Thanks, guys. You have my back. I feel like I'm being personally pandered to right now, and I'm so here for it. Thanks, guys. I'm glad I was heard. No, but I think <laughs> that Rachel is not on Katie Holmes at all. This right. character, we'll talk about her more, has nothing to do. She's, it sucks. She's she a, is the girlfriend of this movie, and they are terrible characters. They're underwritten. She is not a good character. Maggie Gyllenhaal comes in, does her shit. She's always great again, has very little to nothing to do in this movie. Yeah. Then fruits her, which is what they do, makes me even angrier. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off. Mm-hmm. So DC's gotten better. I, I just want to talk about DC movies and Please, their yeah. relationship with women and some of the problems that they've had. And, they, and, and not even just DC, but superhero movies in general, right. superhero comics. All of this shit stems from a place of 1960s white men writing bullshit that pisses me off, you know? And I think that writing women has gotten better over the years. It continues to, to improve. We can only push them to improve more and get better and just to, like, look at this movie and be like, this role for Maggie Gyllenhaal in a Batman movie is worse mm-hmm. than what we saw in the 1989 Batman movie. Okay. No, and that's an important point, and I want to make it clear, obviously this is one of my favorite movies, but that's not to say that it's not without some critiques. It's strange, I'm in this weird position because Batman is one of my favorite characters. This is a Batman movie, and I don't want to use that as an excuse of, well, it's fine that this doesn't have representation and that doesn't have representation. I want to make that very clear, because as I said, we can always improve, there's room for everyone in these stories. I mean, these are comic book stories, so there really isn't a justifiable reason to not have room for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, I don't know if you saw this tweet going around on Twitter. It was a couple uh, weeks ago. And it's this fabulous shot. I forget the name of the movie, but it's this fabulous shot of Annette Benning and Oscar Isaac. And they're both... Oh, can we please have just a moment for those two? Good Lord. God, Any- so good looking. Both of them. <laughs> Beautiful looking people standing together. Uh, so... I bring this up because, pardon me, I cannot remember his Twitter handle, but he posted a picture of the both of them and said, I want this to be a screenshot of a future Batman movie of Annette Bening as Detective Gordon and Oscar Isaac as Batman. And I saw that and I just thought, fuck yes. Fuck yes. yes. Going back to Rachel Dawes, it's unfortunate because, yeah, she does get fridged. And that's not something I want to gloss over. I, I get it narratively as far as like pushing Batman, you know, pushing Bruce Wayne to what has to happen in the third. And Harvey. And Harvey. Yes, absolutely. But it is unfortunate because the only other female character in this movie is the female detective. And Tim Gordon's wife, who is <laughs> terrible. She has no role. I felt so bad. She, every scene she's in, every scene, all three of them, she's crying. Yeah. 
It's unfortunate that representation of women in this movie, there's a dearth of it. You literally just have the female detective, Anna. I do appreciate that Anna Ramirez does get screen time. It'd be cool to get to know her a little more because she is between a rock and a hard place as far as the choices her character has had to make. Like, even though I love this movie so much and I love everything it did to legitimize the superhero genre and the tone that they use to make it gritty. I mean, that's why I made that comment earlier about how you can always go back and look at a story that you love, look at a movie that you love. And it doesn't mean that you love it any less. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have its own merit, but you also can learn from it. And also, with that being said, when you have these characters having room for everyone, don't treat it like, oh, we're just going to throw in this person and throw in that person so we can check all the boxes. No. Open it up to everyone. Everyone has an opportunity to perform. Everyone has an opportunity to tell their story. Everyone needs, should, deserves to have an opportunity to be seen in these movies. There is no room to not have everyone be a part of these kinds of stories and get to see themselves in them. And so that is something I have to say, a critique of mine of this movie open casting, colorblind casting. Absolutely. Like everyone deserves to be seen. I hope that that's something that people have learned from it. And as you said, it's getting a little better, but it can always be even better. There's so many stories to tell. And that to me is exciting. And I really hope, I really think that we are taking steps in the the right direction to have that. Yeah. So going back to, sorry, I'm so sorry. Long rant. Um, No, no, that was beautifully stated. And I think, you know, thank you. (laughs) We'll just keep seeing things improve. I hope. And then the right direction. Yeah, I think think so. And I hope so, too. I like to be hopeful for that. And then just tying it back to this movie with Rachel Dawes, I liked what they did with Rachel more with The Dark Knight than they did with Batman Begins. Because unfortunately, with Batman Begins, she was definitely there as the girlfriend. You know, she's totally 100% girlfriend, love interest, driving the plot, needing to be rescued. I feel like she got to do so much more, though, in The Dark Knight. And it is unfortunate that she got fridged. And it wouldn't be so obvious if there were more characters, you know, more female yes. characters. And, and that's terrible. Like, yeah. that's like bleh. Oh, no, it is like, unfortunate. No. And Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite filmmakers. I love his vision. I love the tone he uses. I love the kinds of stories that he tells. But there is a common theme in a lot of his movies, these specific female characters, where they are there to serve the male protagonist. It's a little better with Inception, much better with Interstellar. Only though. There's only one female character in Inception. There's two. You have Ellen Page's oh. character, and then you Ellen also... Ellen Page is the one that I remember. Yeah, and then you have Marion Cotillard's character. That is a little bit of a theme, though, in his stories. And as they progress, they have gotten better. He does have male leads, though, typically. I would love to see him make a story with a female protagonist. That would warm my heart so much, just as someone who's a huge fan of his, loves yeah. stories. Absolutely, like, I would love that. He hasn't done that yet. I have hope that that is something he will explore down the line. So, anywho, anyway, sorry, tangents. So, with... <laughs> Rachel Dawes in particular, it's unfortunate that the biggest female in this movie is only in like two thirds of the movie. I know well, this I mean, is, is the movie is called Dark Knight. So yeah. we know what the story is about. We know yeah. it's about Batman. It's yeah. not going to be about it's not gonna be about Rachel Dawes. Like it's just well, not. Um, and also that's okay. But yet again, we can always learn. So it's it's improving. We're watching it improve. Anyway, oh, totally. so now we're introduced to Harvey Dent comes into a late court that he has he's flipping a coin to find oh, out who's gonna like, play it's a, like an introduction to his coin and where they're working to put this mob guy away named sally and he's going to be the new head of the falcone falcone, falcone. Mob family falcone and harvey is all oh this part is really hot okay so <laughs> the guy on the, the witness pulls a gun and harvey grabs the gun punches the guy in the face and then breaks the gun down and I was like okay we're gonna pause this for a moment <laughs> <laughs> gonna have I a moment a 
and I need to like splash some cold water on my face Fair. and I need to come back to this movie because yeah. he was very hot and he's a good looking man anyway Aaron Eckhart is good I mean he's a good actor and he looks great in this and mm-hmm. until the end he doesn't look great but that's on purpose <laughs> and and then Rachel and him leave and they're all flirty together and then Harvey's gonna have a meeting with Gordon and it, it's I don't want to go too far because I want your in, your input mm-hmm. on Harvey anyway so I thought that was a good introduction to Harvey oh, I like him totally uh, inst- inst- they're setting us up to like him instantly oh yeah which is cool I thought this was a perfect introduction to Harvey Dent you see his idealism you see how committed he is to justice he really does want what's best for Gotham which in a way causes his downfall if you're coming in blind if you're unaware of the animated series the comics it's a great way to introduce his character And if you do happen to be a fan of the comics and the animated series, there are all these little Easter eggs, the coin. And we see him in this courtroom punching the man on the stand because that's similar to how he becomes Two-Face in the comics. Right. It's even Sal Maroney. Sal Maroney is actually the guy who is on the witness stand Mm -hmm. who throws the acid in Harvey Dent's face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really great that they had Maroney there. And they're just like flipping it on its head a little bit. Ha, flipping. Mm -hmm. Oh, gotcha. Anyway. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) No, I thought it was great. And I loved it. Great casting with Aaron Eckhart because he looks like that politician you'd want to vote for. Yeah. No, and I think, I mean, Aaron Eckhart's biggest role to me is uh, thank you. Thank you for smoking. Still in my head. Like, he's so good in that movie. Yes. Um, Not to make another tangent, but he's so, he's great. If you haven't seen that that movie, oh, it's a great fucking movie. Um, Katie Holmes is in that too. She, yeah, she's in. Don't remember what she did in it, but that's fine. <laughs> she was very like, funny in it. In. Um, <laughs> do I remember Katie Holmes being in that movie? No, I don't. <laughs> um, that's fine. Also, weird casting too because she's so much younger. Isn't she younger than like it's so Hollywood's fucked. Oh, Hollywood yeah, no, it's totally messed up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Harvey has a meeting with Gordon, and he wants to like. Oh, Gordon wants the warrants of five banks to, to get the money that the mob is looking for to get it out of it before, I guess, the Joker grabs it. Anyway, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, setting them up so they can track the mob. They're, like, putting all these tracking stuff on the money mm-hmm. so they can track the Joker and they can track the mob and da-da-da-da-da. And then um, Harvey will grab them, but he wants to, like, meet Batman and he wants to like gain Gordon's trust and da 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 Yeah. And this scene uh, is important because it establishes that Harvey does have an interesting past. A lot of people in the police force don't trust him because he used to work in internal affairs. One of the things that I appreciate about this movie is if you take away the cape and the cowl and the ridiculous makeup, this is a movie about corruption. This is a crime drama. It's a thriller. It is a crime drama. Yeah. yeah. These are the themes we are dealing with in this movie. Yes. The th- stuff that I'm like less fanatic about, I'll touch on later, but like there are parts where I'm like, they get like very James Bondy in some, like we'll mm-hmm. talk about like the part where he like shoots the gun the machine that's supposed to like mimic the gun that Joker used to shoot oh, the bullet. I, into okay, the yeah, yeah. And then like recreates the bullet that he put in the gun. Oh, and, it like has that. On it. and I was like, okay, we're going to the whole James Bond 1990s like trail here, and I don't like it. Oh, I, so we'll see. I I dug that. <laughs> it's like the closest we get to like Batman being a detective, but he's like not smart enough to be a detective and figure it out all, all out himself. He has to go to Fox again, who's like the real mastermind behind everything Fox to ha- have him help get through like across the finish line to find out how to 
recreate a bullet in a computer. Oh, see, jumbo. I didn't mind that. It wasn't my favorite because okay. everything else is so like there are moments moments where I'm like, this movie's so grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. What is this computer though? What is this computer though? Like this is not it, guys. <laughs> I don't know. It does take some liberties with that, and then also later with the sonar device. People have debunked that's not how sonar works. It didn't bother me personally. For one thing, I James Bond movie so maybe that's one of the reasons why because I'm like oh yeah this is totally up my alley awesome but also (laughs) he does more detective work I think not as much in this movie as in the comics per se or in the animated series but this is their way of trying to address that the way I saw it was like okay this is him he's dealing with forensics right now I I, I, it's the only part that I mean the sonar thing I can kind of like get over because I'm like it's radar it's fine (laughs) you know he's like it's like a submarine and I'm like great that's Fine, mm-hmm. sure. But then I was like, what's this recreation bullet thing? Oh. Why did you need your own version of it in, oh, to find out what gun he was using? But that doesn't help you figure out what bullet he put. What? Why did you need that? What's happening? <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay, so the next important scene basically is we're establishing that Fox and uh, Wayne Enterprises making a deal with another chi- with a Chinese company. You know, we kind of established that he's the Lao company is bad and whatnot. That's sort of like a short scene, so we kind of establish all that stuff and right. Lao is going to play an important role in what's going on in the movie. But the next scene I want to talk about really is that restaurant scene. So mm. Rachel and Harvey are having dinner at a restaurant that took you know Harvey weeks to get a reservation at, and yeah. then like. Bruce Wayne just saunters in with his date because he owns the fucking place, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the, uh, he's on a date with this Russian ballerina. Russian ballerina. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and, then, <laughs> and Harvey and Bruce are having like this like very straight dude pissing contest about the world or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're like taking out their measuring sticks and they're like, well, oh, mine's yeah. a little longer than yours, but yeah. oh, yours is thicker. Anyway. <laughs> and then we have like the thesis statement of the movie, which is voiced by Harvey Dent, which mm-hmm. is like this famous line. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, which is so fucking perfectly stated. Yeah. And it just, that's up the thesis statement for every single one of our characters, yep. well, the four main straight white men lead characters yes. of this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah. And it's really fucking great. What did you think? I mean, when you heard that line, the, I mean, I don't remember hearing that line the first time, so now I just feel like it's so part of our vernacular at this point oh. that everyone says it. Everyone's like, yeah, mm-hmm, that's yeah. it. Yeah, first of all, I love the fact that it's become a part of our contemporary vernacular. I fucking love that, because <laughs> every time I hear it, my heart gets a little bigger. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's a great line. Oh, it's a it's great so line. Great. I remember they played that line in the trailer. I remember getting chills thinking, oh, shit, no, Harvey, <laughs> no. Oh, the bad things are going to happen to you. And I think it's a great line because hearing that, especially coming from the mouth of a fictional politician, I thought was, it's just so relevant because in the real world, we see these people who have good intentions and then sometimes it has sadly bad effects and not to get into politics right now, but just in, you can make those connections yourself if you're listening. But I thought that I fucking love that line because not only is it great narratively for this story, but also frankly, something that fucking applies to the real world, which is very heartbreaking and bittersweet and unfortunately true. Uh, totally agree. Your points are awesome as usual. Uh, I, um, no, I think that Harvey is such a perfect 
summation of watching a character who started off a hero very much, obviously, and then we watch him go gray and then just become what he becomes at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. um, due to forces outside of his control, basically. It's beautiful foreshadowing. And yet again, just grounded in reality and sometimes the bittersweet truth of looking up to people in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. So the next scene we have, oh, oh, so Bruce says that he'll throw a a fundraiser for dead. Great. That's just to establish a scene later on, but basically, yeah. So then we got to, we see this mob, the mobs all gathered and talking amongst themselves and Lau is called in, Skyped in basically. And they're, and he's talking about the money situation with the cops. So he got the money out of Gotham before the cops could raid and crack down on all the mobs and blah, 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 blah. So all the money that all the mobs ha- mobs had, he now has in China, which is out of the jurisdiction of Dent, obviously. And China won't extradite their own, blah, blah, blah. So this is the big scene of Joker coming in, being crazy. This is like the real first time we're hearing him talk. Mm-hmm. Real first time of him being absolutely disturbing and crazy and he like there's that famous part of him like you guys want to see a magic trick and he puts the pencil up and then like slams the guy's head into the pencil making it disappear it's great and disturbing oh yeah like i remember the whole audience just applauded because we were like yes (laughs) this is what we want to see the way it captured the joker so well in this movie is because he is terrifying but he is kind of funny sometimes it's this macabre terrible kind of humor and so you're laughing or at least my experience i'm laughing but oh no why am i laughing but it is kind of funny absolutely i think that and Heath ledger is so fucking good yeah we i think this might be when we just we got to double down and just got to focus on that man let's talk about him yeah let's Let's talk talk about him because you can't talk about this movie and not talk about heath ledger's portrayal of the joker when it was announced that he had died. It was one of those times, like we've talked about this before, where you're so affected by the death of someone you've never met. But in a way, you feel like you have just by watching their performances your whole life and being inspired by them. He was so young. He was 27. He was 27 years old. That's a baby to me. And this is his last big performance. He posthumously won the Oscar, which he absolutely deserved. And this version of the Joker is so incredible because one of the reasons why so many of us were so excited for this movie was to see how are they going to tackle this character? The most iconic Batman villain. Something they did with this movie was not just with establishing this Joker who is based in the real world. So he is someone driven by chaos, driven by anarchy. He just wants to watch the world burn. Another great line from this movie. Yes. Up until this point, Batman figured, I got this down. Everyone has a motivation. Everyone has a need. I just figure that out. I'm going to take care of it. That was part of his hubris or his naivete. And then he comes across the Joker. He has no desires except wanting to see the world crumble down around him. He wants to see hopelessness. He wants to see the demoralization of the city around him. And so seeing him have to adapt to that and realize I was wrong is one of the things that makes this movie so compelling. His portrayal, just everything from the visuals and the fact that they call it war paint, that's how they managed to justify that makeup. And I remember so many fanboys were all upset because, oh, he's not perma-white, it's makeup. And it's so funny because when they announced that it was going to be makeup, oh no, that's not true, that's that's not the Joker. Uh, But then, of course, once the fucking movie came out, all these dudes were pretending like they had never said that shit and saying, oh no, this is the real Joker, this is the true Joker. And I'm just sitting in the back drinking my tea like "Mm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. 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 Well, they're also like, oh, this guy is going to be the Joker? Come oh. on. <laughs> yeah, they hated this casting when it first was announced. Oh, I remember. I like, well, let's wait and see. Yeah. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I was like, give Katie Holmes the benefit of the doubt. She deserves none now, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he's one of the best talents of that of our generation. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad not to see yeah. him doing 20 25, 50 more years of work, really hard. It's really upsetting. But I think that you look at something like this, you look at Brokeback Mountain, you look at these movies that, or as I like to call it, Bareback Mountain. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, yes, continue. You look at these roles and these characters that he brought to life, and he really, you know, it's a testament of his talent, and it's really, it stands the test of time, which is really great. And yeah, I think that's absolutely. to be remembered for bringing your talent to the world and, like, it's just sort of awesome. It's a, I mean, yeah. I think he deserved the Oscar. I don't remember who he's up against, but rewatching this, I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. So he's, he's fucking great. Yeah. He did something that was seemingly impossible at the time, which was taking this, this absurd yeah. character. And this of course is on top of the writing that they did behind the scenes with uh, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan and David Goyer. These combined efforts with his performance brought this, seemingly super comic book character and made him real. I could, I'm God, please don't ever happen, but you know, I could imagine this happening in the real world. And that's what made it so enigmatic. Also just in general, having the character, the Joker in this movie was so fucking exciting because just as a fan and one of the many reasons why I was so excited for this movie and why it has become one of my favorites is because growing up, my first favorite fictional character was Batman. My favorite villains of the Batman mythos were the Joker and Harvey Dent. So you can imagine having all the, I'm like, oh, this is, this is like, yeah, Giselle's orgasm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, so you're pandering to me specifically. That's fine. Love it. I support this. Please continue. Please continue to pander to me because I will accept it and appreciate it. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I think, I mean, it's so hard to talk about this movie, obviously, and not talk about the the elephant in the room, which is Heath Ledger, Mm -hmm. and like almost equating this to sort of his death, which is really upsetting and hard. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think we have to talk about that too much, but just, yeah, I think that be careful how invested you become in a role, I guess. And Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, take care of yourself. As far as the characters and specifically the villains, that is my Joker. As far as the film versions, Mark Hamill's my animated Joker forever. And I love him. Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah. He is comic book Joker, which is fucking rad. And one of the reasons why I love that character so much is because of his Joker. And as far as live action, no question. He is that Joker. And that's one of the reasons why the movie is so fucking good because you're only as a superhero is only as good as their villains. I mean, the villains are always the best part of, I mean, they should be one of the best parts of this movie. They should be the most, almost the most engaging part, almost the most interesting part because you're like, what's motivating you? How crazy is this person? What is What are their goals? What makes sense in their own mind and Mm -hmm. their own quote unquote moral code and like what they're trying to get accomplished and like, how far they're willing to go. It's that line again, like you live too long, you become the villain basically. Yeah. Like, you know, like start off being a hero to your, in your own story. But if you live too long, you might see yourself become a villain. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, it's really fascinating to have a thesis statement right there for you to talk about. Yeah. Cause it's like, 
that's it. That's like almost a statement of every superhero story. Because like, even if we look at like the recent civil war stuff with like Marvel and like, who's a hero, who's a villain, why it's just choices. And like, mm-hmm. that's what makes character and narrative and plot so interesting. And like, those are the, cho- the choices that are being made. And it's really, it's really cool. It's summed up pretty fucking well in this movie. Yeah. And the Joker almost upends all of that because he's just, so fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that it, like, there's no method to the madness, almost. He's just like, and insanity chaos ensues. Here we go. Yeah. Something that a lot of people have mentioned when they're writing editorials about this movie is that one of the things that makes it so good is that it's not about taking over the world. It's, no. it's relatively small when you think about it. It's about Gotham. It's about this city and fighting for the soul of the city. Um, so the Joker says, okay, but like... Well, it's safe in China, but like not safe from Batman because Batman doesn't have a jurisdiction and he'll be coming after your ass. Great. So he's like, here's my suggestion. I will kill Batman and I will get half of the money to kill Batman. And they're all like, you're insane. We're going to beat the shit out of you, everyone. But, and then he has like a bunch of like grenades triggered to him. So he's like, if they try anything, they'll blow them up. So he leaves and he like leaves his card and exits and establish in the next scene, the very next scene with like Batman, Gordon and Harvey meeting up on the roof that Batman basically will be going after Lau. <laughs> so it's yes. like, oh, okay, great. And then we see him discussing with Fox how to jump from a plane and that not only had to jump from a plane, but had to get back on the plane. Yeah. And then Alfred uh, comes up with the alibi. He's booking a, bo- a boat with Russian ballet performers. <laughs> Ruins Dent and Rachel's night out to go to the ballet, which is so funny. Bruce is always like, so no, I'm not trying to cock block this guy, but I am. I'm also just trying to ruin like every night ever that he's ever going to have. Night out to restaurant, ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love how like, this Bruce Wayne's a little petty and I'm kind of into it. Oh, uh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. They get a cheapo plane and like arrives next to this beautiful boat and the and Bruce dives off. So, okay, this is kind of funny to me though, because I'm like, what do all those ballerinas think we're where do they think Bruce is going? Like, they have an alibi, but, like, also it's, like, not a great alibi because all these Russian ballerinas are like, but where is he going? I figure they're probably just like, hey, we get to be on a yacht. What else? Yeah. We're living our they're best like, lives. So, okay, so basically the, the, the plan with the cheaper plane is it's going to fly under the radar and, like, mm-hmm. the Chinese won't spot them and stuff like that. The next scene, like, basically we have, oh, so I wanted to touch down on this scene because it's like really, really important. Like mm-hmm. it sets up this three beat of the Joker telling how he gets his facial scars. So like he fakes out being dead and he's brought into like one of the mob groups. The leader of this specific sect is played by Michael J. White, who was also Spawn, if y'all remember Spawn, which was a really cool and fun movie. I do. So I was, he's great. Michael J. White is great. Oh yeah, so even though his part is so small, I was really excited. It's like, oh my god, and you got Michael J. White in this movie? Ah! <laughs> but yeah, it is a very small role, which is yeah. sad and lame. I was still excited to see him. <laughs> but yeah, this is a real, but anyway, to, sorry, to get to the point of this scene. You know, this is the beginning of yet another part that has become a part of our, you know, rhetoric. Wanna know how I got these scars? And yet another twistedly beautiful facet of this character, the fact that he makes up a story every time. This is a form of intimidation for him. And it's really nice three beat that we're setting up because mm-hmm. we're going to have this part where he tells one story to this guy. And then there's the second beat, which is him telling a variation of this story mm-hmm. to Rachel Dawes. And then the third beat is him telling 
beginning to tell the story to Batman, and Batman has no time for it. I know, he's like, no fucks to give, nope. <laughs> this variation of the story is Joker telling this horrible story about his father giving him the scars on his face, and his father being like, why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. Mm. And he, um, when he says that, he basically cuts down the leader. Um, so that's all we see of Michael J. White, which is upsetting. Yeah. And then... Um, makes the others fight for a position in his gang, which we don't get to see. But I think it's good where it left where it did. Although a fucking line I love so much is when he's like, we're going to have, breaks the pole in half, tryouts. Tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so Fox is in China. He's in there to discuss <clears throat> slash distract Lao, basically. Mm-hmm. So Fox tells Lao that Wayne Enterprises won't be doing business with them. And then Fox receives a call on the small cell phone that he brought upstairs and will later reveal, like, that's a sonar thing for Bruce Wayne to use, for Batman to use. And then when Fox is leaving securities, he also dropped off another phone, which is a phone, uh, he dropped the phone off with security that's supposed to shut down all the power that we'll also see later. I'm ruining all this stuff. There it is. (laughs) And then, uh, but he shows the one that rang in the meeting with Lau, so he, like, leaves that phone with security. Fox gives uh, Wayne the sonar device, and we then cut to the scene of, I remember my mom seeing this movie, because she's so scared of heights. Oh, um, yeah. That <laughs> so we cut to this part with Batman on this building that's opposite Lao's, basically, and he's going to, like, fly in and crash through the window and blah, 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 blah. Mm. But there's a part where it's just this, like, aerial shot oh. above Bruce Wayne Batman looking down on China, like the city, and it was just like my mom was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't even like to go on a swing. So, oh, oh dear, this was not her jam. Like I remember, right. we went to the top of the Rockefeller Center, like top of the Rock, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Get closer to the window," and she's like, "No, I'm good. I can see everything. Yeah, I, I'm here. good. That's fine. That's fine." Yeah, and this, there are so many grand action sequences in this movie. And this is the first big one we get to see. Him yes. infiltrating this building, getting Lau. And finally what happens is, like, Batman puts, like, a device around Lau and throws, like, a balloon out the yeah. blown-up window. And the plane comes in and snags the balloon, so and they fly off. It's so absurd, and I loved every second of it. Right? Yeah, and then I love how we immediately cut to Lau being back in Gotham City with this cardboard <laughs> sign. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> these light-hearted moments just to offset the darkness. Yes. No, it's really well done. This is the kind of, like, the comic booky stuff that I'm all in on. Mm-hmm. But it still, still, still kind of feels like it exists in this world without going into, like, recreating bullets in a computer thing. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> I know, I'm going to harp on it. Okay. Um, it's... Um, okay, so basically the next scene is Rachel telling Lau that they need the money, but Lau won't give her that because that's, like, his, like, ace in the hole is, like, what's keeping him alive. So he tells her, however, that he has something on all the clients. He's handled all their investments, so he knows everything. But then, like, they decide, like, they can do something, I think it's called a RICO, which is, like, basically, like, all the money is pulled. If one is charged with the felony, all of them can be charged with the felony. Yay. In exchange for that, Lau wants safe patches back safe passage back to China for testimony. It looks like he'll get all the money too, which is nice, uh, with the clients all locked up. Lau and, you know, they all decide that Lau is best staying in the, I guess, the lockup mm-hmm. with Gordon there to protect him from everybody because yeah. you know, we're not sure who we can trust. Basically. Exactly. And that's another theme in this movie is paranoia 
because and yeah. also Gordon himself on top of Harvey Dent, and that's what I love about these three characters going through a similar journey and having different outcomes is they're all a little guilty of hubris. Yeah, and Gordon is another one who's yeah. like you know starts off very much a hero. He doesn't really become a villain, but like some no. of his things where he's trying to like help actually just kind of do the opposite of what it's yeah. supposed to do, which is like hard to watch, obviously, and yeah. like that's his challenge of like who can he trust? He trusts almost his total like his group yeah. that's around him, his cops, his his pals, you yeah. know. And it turns out that he shouldn't. <laughs> Anyway, really, really great. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so Gordon and goes and arrests all of the mobs and brings these crazy massive amounts of charges against them, so which is good. just hilarious. Like, watching this, um, watching the judge read all of these charges, I was like, this is crazy. And just, like, seeing <laughs> the poor stenographers, like, the fuck do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the stenographer's, like, gonna shoot himself. Mm-hmm. And, um... <laughs> And then, okay, so then we then see that Dent's having, like, a meeting with the mayor, and the mayor's, like, the mob's going to come after you, politicians are going to come after you, everyone's going to come after you, and then a fake Batman, a dead Batman, hits the window, Uh, she's, like, hanging from a noose, he has clown makeup drawn on his face, this is crazy. <laughs> the bejesus out of me that scene and this is another important scene because the mayor who by the way is the actor who played bat manuel in the tick let us have a moment yeah. for that very, very handsome man <laughs> so pretty so pretty he is very pretty. every time i see him i'm like yeah and then like he was getting in, better looking with age i know I and then he was also in bates motel and i was like yeah bates Nestor uh carbonell yes Mm, oh, yes. He also played a role in a very short-lived series with our favorite actress, Sarah Michelle Gellar. He was in uh, Ringer. Yeah. That's right. He was in Ringer. That's right. So Anyway. And so uh, <laughs> another cool thing about the scene is the mayor, who is the mayor of Gotham City, he knows what Gotham City is about. He is telling Harvey, are you ready for this? Because Harvey, being guilty of hubris, is like, I'm the white knight. I'm awesome. Everyone loves me. I'm going to make the city better. And he doesn't understand what he's prepared for he he's not and then we cut to the video, video oh yeah that is that was brought, and it's upsetting and i say upsetting in a positive way because it's just it's great we really feel the terror because the joker's a terrorist that's exactly yes. what he is because you see the poor guy with the hockey pads from the beginning of the movie being attacked and him making the threat against the city batman needs to show his face if he doesn't I'm going to kill people. So this is him really starting to play and starting that beautiful, fucked up, twisted yin and yang relationship that they have. And then we're, we're after the video is released, we cut to the fundraiser with Dent and Rachel and Bruce arrives on a helicopter with two women, three women, three women, something ridiculous. I was like, what's this? And then I was like, Bruce is gross. Uh, I wrote that down. Bruce is gross. Bruce is disgusting. Yeah. I hate him. I love him. Yeah. He's so hot. Bruce then gives, like, this really nice speech about Harvey and Bruce and Rachel talk. Rachel's like, I know when you're making fun of someone, so don't make fun of Harvey and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm not making fun of Harvey, actually. And Gotham needs a hero with a face, and that's Harvey. Yeah. And so he's, like, coming to the realization that he's not enough for this city, which Mm -hmm. I think is really a nice check on his hubris, like you were talking about, and his realization that it's just, like, not enough to be a guy in, like, a cape and cowl running around beating up goons it's like just mm-hmm. not enough right yeah because it's not anyway mm-hmm. and then the cops are running the dna on the joker like the, the the fake batman that they found had like this joker part on it so they ran dna on it and it has the judge that's residing over the case 
Dent and the commission and commissioner Loeb which, and they're like, Oh, those are all the targets for Joker. So we have to get them. So Dent basically proposes. Oh, and then we come back to the fundraiser and we're having like Dent proposing to Rachel. Okay, fine. And then <laughs> it was actually a nice scene. It was, it was nice. yeah. Um, and Gordon is, is with Loeb, but the glass is poisoned and Cirillo's in a car. That's, I think I knew even when I saw it originally, I was like, she's going to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's dead. Yeah. Um, and so Cirillo and Loeb are both dead. They're just like the deadest dead people in Aldonia. Fine. And then suddenly Bruce is like attacking Dent from behind and he's like puts him in a chokehold and knocks him out and shoves him in a closet. And he's like, they found him. And Rachel's like, uh, okay, this seems like an overreaction to something that could have just been like, Harvey, go hide in the closet, but okay. And then <laughs> that part cracks me up. Every time I see it, I'm like, what's this? Well, don't you think Bruce maybe was thinking, oh, no, I have to chokehold this, you know, (laughs) because I don't question that there were, without a doubt, other ways this could have been handled. But was there a little bit of wish fulfillment there on his part of, guess I have to chokehold this guy, Bruce, there are other ways? Nope, nope, no, 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 this is the only way. Gotta knock him out. Just gotta knock him out. Yeah. In a closet. (laughs) Not not even at least chloroform had to be chokehold? Yes. Yes, Rachel. Don't question me. And I'm like, basically, it's like Batman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. resolving an issue instead of Bruce Wayne resolving an issue. Yeah. It's like, yep, that's what he's Chokehold, yeah. Okay, so then we have the Joker arriving mm. in the elevator, and Joker's going around being all, like, creepy to the guests, Ugh. and sort of having awkward moments with extras who can't say anything because they don't, they're not making that much money on set, and then um, <laughs> and then we have the one who's like, oh, here's a higher amount of money because you get a speaking line, great. Love those moments, though. <laughs> Where one of them literally gets his head patted and can't say anything because he doesn't like making any money that day. I would give anything. Not like, oh, like nothing. Don't, you can't speak. I can, <laughs> I can only imagine what it must have been like to have been one of the extras in that room witnessing this caliber of acting and then having this guy just mess with you. And it's like, I can't do anything. I'll get fired. At all. And then um, there is a guy that like stands up to him somewhat and he's like, you're my, my dad. I hate my dad. And then Bruce is like running around trying to get batified. So he's doing his own thing. So then Rachel's like, tell, tells the Joker to stop. And she's sitting, standing there with her arms crossed being all Rachel. So Joker tells another version of the scar story. This time it has to do with his wife getting scarred up by mobsters. And that he wanted her to know that like, she looks great and he didn't care about the scars. So he cut himself. So crazy sight of him and then left and I'm like this is the whole story so like I guess the the fun part about this is like it ties so much it doesn't tie so much into the comics but it does sort of relate to the comics in that we don't ever really get to know who the Joker is what he's about his history like every version of the history that we think we know about the Joker seems to be built on this facade and like mm-hmm. not real and it ties into this great 70 year plus history of the Joker just being like this fucking crazy enigma mm-hmm. that we'll never completely understand, which is great. Exactly. That's and I, it. and I think understanding him would be a disservice to the character because the whole point is Absolutely. that's the whole point we of the character. To, we don't need to know his history. Yeah. This is like, I go back to like those slasher movies that we both love where it's like the main, like learning more about Mike Myers does not make him scarier. No, it actually takes that away. Precisely. So you need to calm down. <laughs> no, I completely agree. No, and I'm so glad that they followed through with that in this iteration. The fact that he even changes his own story. We don't even yes. know how he got the fucking scars, and we'll never know. And that's the beauty of it. I think the common denominator is that he definitely hates his dad. 
Um, and then the Batman appears and he's like taking out goons. Joker grabs Rachel and holds her out a window and he drops her, but Bat grabs her and this tumbling out the window and like kind of breaks her fall on a taxi, I guess with his body, but he's fine and she's fine. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Because he's Batman. A lot of times when stuff like that happens, I just go to the, because he's Batman. Okay. Batman. I accept it. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so there's this part. Okay. This is the part. So, okay. So the Joker, like there's this weird part where I guess Joker calls the cops to tell them where Harvey Dent is. Yes. And this is part of his pretty much mind fucking with the city. And I guess it's sort of weird too. Cause we're like, we know that Harvey's fine, but I guess that's the point is like, it's so almost random that mm-hmm. he's like grabbing these people who just have any Aww. name yeah. similarity to yeah. this guy that he's hunting. Um, so, and then this is where we get this part where oh. Batman cuts out the wall. Yes. Bullet hole. Yes. Take it home with it's, him to see if he can find fingerprints on fine. a bullet hole. It's fine. It's, it's Batman. It's fine. Because he's Batman, James. <laughs> because he's Batman. I can't take it. I can't. And then they know that uh, Joker's... Oh, next target is the mayor. Bruce is analyzing the gun impacts. And then we're introduced... Okay, there's this weird scene with this guy named Reese who is like doing this like research into way enterprises and the, and China oh, allows company. He's not that important, but he's important kind of later. So that's why I'm bringing him up. Okay. And basically I love this scene though, between him and Fox. Let's be honest. Some of us have thought about it. We've wondered, has someone figured this out? Has someone put two and two together? Hmm. Who has a lot of money and time on their hands? <laughs> so I love and how, how did he get that specific vehicle that yeah. Wayne enterprises was, a, was, established building. So I love how they address that in this movie. So you have this character Reese and perfectly cast because this poor actor, he's probably like this totally nice human being, but just because of his demeanor and his good acting, he's the kind of guy you just want to slap in the face. Yeah. He's a real twerp. Yeah. And so I love how we have this face off. He comes in cocky, confronting Fox saying, I'm going to blackmail you and I want a bajillion dollars for the rest of my life. And this was such a great scene to see in the theaters and then seeing it again when they did the re-release because our theater just clapped. And I love how Fox just unaffected takes off his glasses and just says, just, you know, I won't repeat the scene, but you know, he paints it out beautifully and just pointing out. So you think this dude is dangerous and your plan is to blackmail this person and just seeing the realization his reaction the reaction on his face is so fucking great and everyone just applauded and laughed because what if someone did put two and two together how would they handle that yeah the way he just sits back and says good luck it's like oh (laughs) yes (laughs) so that's great i love that and we set up that reese reese will come back later on so that's really the most important part of that so and then we have the bullet being analyzed fingerprint so but then the important part of the fingerprint matching to see if any matches with owners of apartments overlooking the parade that the mayor is going to be in because he's the target they're having a parade for the commissioner who was killed there's a match and bruce is off on his motorcycle and the parade for as for commissioner low blah, blah blah bruce then finds the apartment and he finds a bunch of men tied up Essentially just a big setup to see that Tom Fuller is afoot. He's infiltrated this ceremony. Leads up to this great sequence of just chaos, yet again, perpetuating this idea of chaos. And we get to see that in the scene. Then, of course, setting up, oh, Gordon got shot. And then for a moment, which I thought was really cool, and we get to see the Joker without his makeup. Yeah, very briefly. Yeah. 
And also I apologize so much because I know something obviously we've talked about so much earlier is always wanting more inclusion in these movies. And a character we forgot to focus on is Lucius Fox played by Morgan Freeman, who is so great in these movies. And they have some really important scenes together talking about morality and whatnot that gets addressed later. And yeah, so just like a quick shout out to that character, like being really cool. Oh yeah, no, and I mean Morgan Freeman is yeah. fucking best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> I just so- I feel bad just because we keep bringing up like Michael Caine and like Heath Ledger. So it's like you know, obviously we want to give a specific moment to Morgan Freeman, who's fucking awesome. In the- oh my god, yeah, and that scene where he's playing off of Reese, where he's just like, okay. We'll see how this turns out. This is Morgan Freeman at his best. And like, he's just so good. And yeah, and he brings up these great morality issues later on with Bruce and just like their conversations together and like what he's doing for Batman. Like he knows he's Batman this entire time. Like Mm -hmm. he's very smart. He's great all the time. Yeah. Morgan all the time. Yeah. Um, And then there's like the scene where Dent finds one of Joker's goons and captures him. And that comes up later. And this is an important scene because this is when we are establishing that even though Dent is this white knight and someone everyone is looking up to, there is something a little off kilter with him. We're seeing the cracks start with Harvey Dent with all these horrible circumstances happening. It's like, how is he holding up to them? Absolutely. Um, And that's, it's such a great scene. And then, um, oh, and then talking about one great scene versus this scene, which is not great. So the cops go and tell Gordon's wife that, He's dead, and she's blubbering and crying. And then there's this weird part where they, like, shoot up to Batman, like, just hanging out on, like, a fire escape. That's what Batman does. We hear Barbara screaming, you did this to him. Great. The point point of the scene is to establish part of the negative effects that Batman has had on the city. He thinks he's doing good, but... There is bad that comes from it. And this is one of the themes that the movie touches upon is escalation with the Joker matching up to Batman as far as being equal yet opposite force. I think it is important because it's Bruce realizing, even though, yes, this is fake, but sometimes good people do get hurt. And then, um, so then we cut through Harvey and Rachel. They decide they can't trust anybody. So she's going to go to the penthouse, for, to Bruce's penthouse and be safe, blah, blah, blah. While we're dealing with the fact that, like, Dent needs to not cross that line. Batman is basically crossing the line by himself because he's, like, torching the mob boss, Maroney, and, like, throwing him off of, like, not too high ledges so he doesn't die, but, like, just high enough so he breaks every bone in his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Because he's, like, he wants to know who the Joker is and how to get him and, like, Maroney's, like, the way that he's, like, you're going to get him is if you unmask. So then, okay, so Batman and Dent have their scene. Batman's telling Dent that he's, like, the last ray of hope and it's very, like, inspirational. And then Batman's, like, have a press conference and I'm going to reveal and turn myself in. And, you know, Dent's like, you can't do that! Like, freaking out. And then, okay, so then Rachel's at the penthouse and Bruce and her kiss and he turns himself, you know, she's like, if you turn yourself in, we won't be together, da 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 Leads to the press conference and Harvey comes forward and then it leads to my favorite or another great action sequence in this movie, (laughs) (laughs) which is transporting Dent and then the Joker intervening, which is an incredible sequence just everything from when he shows up in the truck and the fact that there's the big s in front of laughter so it says slaughter the slight comedy in this moment as well because when he brings out the bazooka i love the cop going is that a bazooka yeah <laughs> like, what's happening he's like and then he goes i didn't sign up for this i know i love it when these movies have that one character that's all of us yeah. like how would i react in this situation nope i don't like this this is bad ridiculous super heroic reactions yeah to- 
with just like a normal person is just it's good yeah. I like when they and, do that too and just the mood of this scene as far as like you see the fire truck on fire and just like yeah. the symbolism right there everything about it the tension the music and the fact that they're having to deviate their path even though I have to admit it's kind of funny because when we saw this in theaters recently like I remember uh, Diane was with me and we leaned over and she's like why didn't they just use the other lane going the opposite direction they didn't have to go underground and it's like I know I know let's just watch the movie. You know, it's like <laughs> okay. those nitpicky things. Yeah. There's no oncoming traffic and it's an emergency. They have their sirens on. Just that's fine. Whole, that's the whole point of sirens. You get to go on any side of the street you want, but it's okay. Shh, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> it leads up to this amazing moment. And oh my gosh. So have him in the Batmobile. It gets irreparably damaged. We get the reveal of the Bat cycle. And when he comes out with the Batmobile in the Bat cycle, everyone just freaked out it's very cool yeah i love it yeah and then we see like the air support that's like arriving to help like stop the joker like they've set up this like cable trap or the joker yeah. set up this cable thing yeah so it just takes down this air support like immediately yeah. and it's like it's, <laughs> so it's like stop nope that's and fine and it's so exciting because it's big stakes like in the air and the ground everything is happening and so have that and then leading up to him using the bat cycle to maneuver and then one of the most iconic moments from this sequence is the flipping of the semi-truck uh, which yeah. was real that was not cgi they actually flipped a fucking truck that's another moment when i was watching it with a big audience you just hear everyone gasp they did it's that. so impressive it's such an impressive shot mm-hmm. and then uh we have the joker climb out of this destruction and like <laughs> kind of limping and i was yeah. like okay and then <laughs> i mean he's the joker so you kind of go yeah, that's, that sounds that seems right. Yeah, <laughs> he's like yeah. fucking. He's crazy enough to just be fine. Yeah, um, and then like grabs the gun, and starts walking towards Batman on the, his Batmo his Bat cycle, mm-hmm. and Batman like wipes out because at the end of the day, Batman can't kill someone. Yeah, although we've seen him do a lot of damage to people, but apparently that's he the line. That's the line. Yeah, which is worthy. Which of I the- always appreciate. I like that line, which I know people argue about, but I think it's a, it's an important line for him to have for himself. So it's revealed that Gordon was the driver of yeah. the car van. So he's alive. Gordon lets Dent out and Harvey goes to Rachel and Joker is locked up and Gordon is promoted by the mayor to commissioner. It's like, it's great. Gordon's the hero. Like, yay, piece. everything's going to plan. Yay. So we have this moment of hope beautifully followed by, oh, fuck. Oh, no. This leads to arguably the most iconic scene in this movie, which is the interrogation scene. And it's such a great buildup. I mean, I could honestly talk about the scene for hours. So it's such a great fucking scene. And just see how the Joker sees him. He reads him because he's a master manipulator. Like, he understands Batman. And that's why he wants to break him. And just seeing this face off and really getting to the mind of the Joker and this subtle manipulation of him pushing his buttons is such a great fucking scene. Absolutely. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of the best scenes. I mean, yeah, it's great to see these two characters facing off and we get more of the ridiculous mouth breather Batman, which just cracks me up every time. I feel bad. I'm sorry. I know like people have always talked about his voice, but it really stands out. So it spawned some of the greatest internet parodies ever, which are still funny to this day. There's a reason why he has to have that voice, of course, but it, I mean, it's, you can't not deny that it's kind of funny. Yeah. This scene with him with Gordon, him with Batman, and him with one of the other officers, just seeing him play with them, it's just so, it's so great how the tension in that scene builds. It's just excellent when it leads to Batman just pummeling him and the fact that he just laughs in response because you can't hurt me. You can't. 
absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, this is the Joker. This yeah. is like what it's about to me. Like I was like, huh? Yeah, this is it. Cause like, no matter what you do to him, he's just so broken inside that this, he's just going to laugh. And then the cop. Okay. So the cop that's left with him, like just, I'm sorry to be so random you guys, but he's from angel. He's an actor who was an angel. And he played Halts in a lot of the episodes. Anyway, and I like him a lot. He's a good actor. I and he's been, that. His name is his name is gonna be challenging for me though. His name is Keith Sarabashka. Sarabashka? Sarabashka? Anyway, sorry if I'm fucking up your name, but he's a great actor. Awesome. Well, cool. That's awesome. Shout him out really quick. Smaller role, but really great actor awesome everybody in these scenes gary oldman i mean everybody everybody is just like firing all cylinders he led her of course christian bale and, and then keith zarzabaska anyway <laughs> fuck, i'm sorry fuck up his last name uh, but they're all just like they're all like amazing they're yeah. all just doing amazing work so yeah. it's really cool to watch and then okay so then we revealed that Joker has both Dan and Rachel hostage. He tells them both locations so they can go after both of them. And he has to make a choice between which one he'll save. So Batman's like, uh, Rachel, great. Uh, And then (laughs) the cops go after Harvey Dent. There's this like nice scene between Harvey and Rachel and they can talk through a radio and they're both tied up in warehouses to drum oil drums and like they're blah, 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 blah. But the most important part is that like, but Harvey, like trying to get free and like falls over and knocks over an oil drum and like half of his face uh. gets covered with oil and so we're all kind of like if you know the comics or like Harvey Dent at all from any other medium you're like okay yeah it's like oh shit this is when it's happening just seeing this play out with him falling over and then her saying yeah I choose you and it's really sad it's like the explosion happens he finds Harvey and just face is on fire it's like oh no oh, God. and Rachel blows up and the cops aren't there in time, but he saves Harvey, but half of his face is burned off and all that good stuff. So setting him up as Two-Face, but back in like the... MCU. Yeah, the MCU. <laughs> back in the MCU, Iron Man is breaking out of a cave. No, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> actually, that's about right, 2008. I was about to say, that's not wrong. <laughs> um, but back with Joker and the gang, he's like, gets a phone from the um cops and makes a phone call apparently what he had done was set up like this bomb and that one of his goons stomach so fucking twisted i love the whole fucking joint it's a bomb that is one of the most twisted things in this movie and i fucking loved it i remember when i watched the movie i went oh no no way the fact that this poor guy like he's a bomb inside of him and that's and just yet again just another length that the joker happily goes to Everything's destroyed. Harvey's been hurt. Rachel's been killed. And it was all part of his master, ridiculous, absurdly ridiculous master plan. Capturing Lau, breaking free. Gordon gets the news that this happened. He realizes, oh, it was part, like, it was part of his plan. They were wrong. Yeah. It's like that Rorschach line where it's like, you think I'm trapped here with you, but you're all trapped trapped in here with me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, exactly. Then we cut to Dent waking up in the hospital. His fucking face is all messed up. Um, you know, now his coin is like marked on one side. So it's this is a really cool twist on the origin story for Two Face. I liked it's it. Really well done. It like ties it in with the Joker, which is always kind of a great catalyst. I think Joker should be almost the number one villain of Batman, and if he's gonna 
be sort of like the jumpstart for a lot of the origin quote unquote stories for the for other villains and shit, I'm like, yes. Great. Yeah, I completely agree. And glad you brought that up because earlier I mentioned how the Joker and Harvey Dent are my two favorite Batman villains. The reason for that is because I think they both beautifully complement and contrast Batman as a hero because you have the Joker who represents everything that is opposite of Batman. He is chaos. He is anarchy. He doesn't yes. want to just take over the world or even just take over the city necessarily. He just wants to destroy shit and just to fuck with Batman because of how different yet similar they are in that regard, being two different sides of the same coin. Ha. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know. That was terrible. You know, they're yin and yang. That's what makes Batman, frankly, one of my favorite heroes is because of this villain, such an intriguing, compelling, interesting villain. And then with that, the reason why Harvey Dent is my other favorite villain is because he is so similar to Batman. He wanted what was best for Gotham. He was the white knight. He was this politician, a DA. He wanted to defeat criminality to any length. And yet, just like Bruce Wayne, he was tested with tragedy. Bruce Wayne was affected by it, and it took him a while, but he eventually turned that tragedy into something powerful by using the pain inside of him to try to do good with it. Then you take Harvey Dent, who was met with something in this specific cinematic universe, equally tragic, but he didn't use that pain for good. He became consumed by it. And then he turns him, he himself turns into a criminal. So that's why I love them both because I think they are both such interesting reflections of what Batman represents. One of my favorite graphic novels is the long Halloween. And there was a lot of inspiration. Yeah. And this, you can tell this movie was totally inspired by that. Yet another reason why, oh, I'm being personally pandered to, huzzah. So yeah, <laughs> but you know, that's why I love those two villains. And I'm so happy that those were the two villains they had connected and, and how you were just mentioning how they altered his origin story. The Joker aided that happening absolutely because it really brings out how similar yet different these characters are and how they beautifully tie to each other narratively. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, and, uh, okay, so we're um, in the hospital, and Gordon is visiting Dent, and we get this great first shot, Dent, with his face just blown off, and he's, like, not taking medication or medicine or anything, or doesn't want grafts or anything like that, and he's like, I don't want to hide who I really am now, blah, 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 and he's, I guess, they used to call him... Harvey Two-Face. Harvey Two-Face, so it's kind of great, like, they're tying back to, like, his own origin story, mm-hmm. and it's really, really, I mean, the special effects they used on his face are fucking awesome, and they hold up so well mm-hmm. 11 years later. It looks great. I'm not sure what it all, I think it's, like, partially makeup, partially, su- spe- yeah. like, you know, CG special effects happen. I mean, I don't know what they did, but it, I, I mean, all of it's fucking crazy looking and amazing. Like, yeah. it looks so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with the fact that they made this realistic. Like, this is how Two-Face would exist in reality is so fucking impressive. And yeah, the way they tied it in with his own origin story We get bits of that in the beginning of the movie, how, yeah, he is this great politician. Everyone looks up to him, but there are little bits about him that maybe aren't completely okay. Yeah. Well, like that, he's like flipping a lot of the coin to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And obviously both sides are our head. So he doesn't leave anything up to fate. He's like trying to fear his own course and make his own decisions. And then like, but now it's like all based on like chance, just like, like, fuck it care anymore and it's like this real dark side to his light side 
now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. He's become the villain. Yeah. And then we have a scene with Joker. He, the important part of the Joker scene is like him calling into the station where Reese is going to like reveal who Batman is. I guess he's decided to, to wing it. <laughs> Take the chance of like having Batman come and kick the fucking shit out of you. Okay. Yeah. And then, but Joker's like, nah, bo- no, boo. We're going to like, I don't want you to ruin my fun. So he says, if, you know, if Reese isn't dead in 60 minutes, he'll blow up like, a hospital in Gotham and kill a whole bunch of people. So Gordon's like was originally going to go try to find the Joker, but now like has to like change course. And he tells like all the cops start evacuating all the hospitals and searching for bombs and da 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 da. da. And Gordon is going for Reese, and Bruce is also on his way. And Gordon has to protect Reese from citizens, which is crazy but totally makes sense. It's, yeah, it's a really tense, great scene. Oh, it's great, and yeah, it's the Joker continuing to just fuck with the city. The whole sequence of Bruce trying to protect Reese's in the Lamborghini, and it's just that entire chase sequence is like so freaking cool. I love okay. it, and the way he plays it off afterwards, like acting like I didn't know what was going on, and then he just kind of <laughs> looks at Reese like, "You remember this? I fucking saved yeah. your life. You. Don't fuck with me." <laughs> I don't could, fuck with me fellas I could still beat you, I could still beat you up if I wanted to but I saved you I could still do it and then of course a- after this sequence leads to the awesome scene of Joker in the fucking nurse's outfit and just talking to Dent and just this is so great because just seeing the Joker just like he's even looking over the chart like I'm gonna play nurse for a little bit I'm gonna have fun with this I got my wig from Party City I'm gonna have a <laughs> you know and like even like it looks like Michelle Williams wig from no I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I love it just the theatricality of it and that's another thing playing upon a theme from the first movie was theatricality and the Joker fucking does it and the fact that it's a dress because you know nobody wears nurses dresses anymore that's a so a thing of the past so I I love the fact that this character in whatever fucking free time this character has who the fuck knows but he decided I'm gonna get a dress I'm gonna get a wig get the little hat to match um, and then, yeah, so jo- like Joker's just like an agent of chaos and he's just telling Dent, like, I'm crazy. Like nothing's personal because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I don't have a plan. Yeah. And then, which is sort of untrue. Like, oh no, of course it's, a plan, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> no, it's not true at all, but this is what Dent needs to hear in order to complete his downfall. And as you were mentioning before, this idea of fate of chance being random. So he's feeding these words to Dent to help him on this path. He's envisioned for him. Continuous downfall. Yeah. So like, he's like relying on this coin to flip, to see whether the Joker will live or die or whatever. And then the next thing we have of Joker, like leaving the hospital and like blowing it all up and like, and there's this great part that I think it's ad lib. It's ad lib. Yes. Like where it was like, there was like a delay on the mm-hmm. explosion of the building mm-hmm. and Heath Ledger's just like banging the detonator and like trying to figure out what's happening and then the building explodes and he's like, Whoa, ooh. Yeah. And, like, and I love how bus drives away. Yeah. And it's great. Cause yeah, he's pushing it. Nothing's happening. He turns around and he puts his arms out. Like what the fuck? Explode already. <laughs> anyway. So the next we see, we find out that Dent is missing. So the host of the show Reese was on has been captured by the Joker and threatening the entire city. And, so we established that Dent is now kind of like hunting down all of these cops that kind of set up him and Rachel to be captured. Like we cut to Batman and Fox. Really, this is the first scene between Batman and Fox ever. Like a lot of Bruce Wayne going to see Fox and talking, but this is like really Batman, Batman yeah. suit 
and Fox, and they're talking about, this is a great scene we were talking about earlier with the morality and stuff, because Batman has set up the sonar that Fox has established, um, but he's, like, now connected it to every cell phone device so he can, like, hunt down the Joker. Mm -hmm. And Fox is not here for that. He's like, this is fucking fucked up, and, like, this is a real invasion of privacy, and, like, shouldn't be allowed, and this is not okay. I don't like it at all. Yeah, another theme of this movie is limits. And this is Batman stepping over his limits. No, you are now stepping into bad territory here. And I love the fact that Lucius calls him out on this. The limits we are willing to go to. Is this okay? Is this not okay? The lengths we are willing to go to, to defeat corruption. And it cracks me up because this was a huge theme of this movie. Whereas they did the exact same fucking thing in the Avengers. And there was, they were just like, yeah, it's fine. Like, cause remember that's how they found Loki is they did the same thing. They tapped into everyone's phones. That's right. Yeah. 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 And don't get me wrong. The Avengers is super fun. I love that movie, but it cracked me up that this was discussing morality and surveillance in big brother. And this isn't okay. Whereas the Avengers, yeah, that's how we found Loki. Anyway, let's fly to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, but <laughs> Loki is a dead, a death God who wants to kill everybody. So we're just, all right that's fine we're not even going to discuss it it's fine but no and so this is an important scene what are we willing to be pushed towards are there lines we should cross or should not cross i appreciate that their main i don't know sometimes i don't know what are we willing to do to defeat these unending things and i think it's cool that they touched upon that how far are we allowed to go to defeat evil before we basically become that evil that we're trying to defeat Mm -hmm. it's like all these moral gray and this is what this whole movie is this is establishing like how okay you're a hero until when you're a hero until exactly. when exactly. you know so it's it's really fascinating to kind of watch batman make this very conscious decision of like this is this is another line i'm willing to cross because i need to finish this and you know fox morgan freeman is great in the scene of just trying to check him and like he's like well if we go forward with this i'll help you this time but this is yeah. I'm done. So then Dent goes to Mar- Maroney to find the, another cop who took Rachel. And then uh, this is great. I love this scene where he's like, he flips the coin and Maroney, he doesn't shoot Maroney, but he flips the coin again for Maroney's driver and shoots yeah. the driver and the car flips over. I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. And it's just like another like superhero thing because it's like, oh, both of those guys are dead, but like, Suface is fine. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's crawls out of this destroyed car, and it's just fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So the bridges are, like, out of order. Like, they're... Jokers put bomb threats, pretty much isolating the people of Gotham. So and now they're taking, like, ferries to try to escape Gotham. Right. And so the cops put the prisoners on the on one ferry and, like, civilians on another ferry. And we establish that the prisoner ferry has a detonator for a civilian ferry, and mm-hmm. the civilian ferry has a detonator for the prisoner ferry. So... Um, basically all set to blow up the social experiment Joker set up, whether it will be the prisoner ferry or the non-innocent civilian ferry that will get bloated. Right. Calls back to the, again, this just whole theme of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, how far are you willing to go to be the hero and the villain and who gets to be saved and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Anna Ramirez calling Barbara Gordon to leave her house with her kids and then we see that Anna is being held up at gunpoint by Harvey. She was the one who helped get Rachel to the Joker's men. He flips his his coin and she gets to live and he like knocks her out. Back to the fairies and we see like the civilians are voting while the prisoners are yelling and Batman attacks the Joker's men at this building that the cops like they found 
the Joker through the sonar. So then, <laughs> I know, yeah. Gordon to hold back for a bit. Batman goes in first to like take him down. This is another incredible sequence of Batman just going to this building and realize that the people they are surveilling that they think are the clown goons, they've switched them. Those are in fact hospital employees because of course one of the buses went missing batman's like fuck i gotta fix this and so this whole sequence of him infiltrating this building using the sonar going from floor to floor is so fucking good and it's so exciting and i, I love this is like the best choreographed action sequences yeah. he did in this movie oh yeah Act- action wise hands down this is my favorite sequence and it's amplified by the incredible score playing just like really upping the tension and the excitement and so, it. yeah, it's so good. And yeah, just seeing him by himself taking down the guards and then rescuing the goons, quote unquote, which who are actually hostages, and finally just trying to get to the Joker and then SWAT coming into the same time and him trying to be like, okay, fuck, I got to take care of that. I got to take care of that. Ah! <laughs> it's incredible. Like, it's an incredible sequence. And yeah. It's yeah. a really, really great scene. And we also established, like, we cut back to Gordon and we find out that his kids and Barbara have been uh, taken mm-hmm. and and the reveal that Dent has the kids and Dent's like, I took them to where my family died. So, okay, so then we, we find out that civilian boat has voted for them to blow up the prisoner boat and then uh, Batman's getting to the Joker and Bat, you know, Bat, they're, they're fighting each other and he's Joker's wailing on him with like a, a pipe. Yeah, one of the things I love about this when they're just fighting each other right here is you see the complete opposites of just the fighting styles. You have Batman, who's obviously trained, whereas the Joker is just like, I'm going to throw dogs at you. I'm just going to beat the shit out of you with this pipe. His style is chaotic, just like who he yeah. is as a character. So I love how even when it comes to the fighting style, they amplify that aspect of his character. Absolutely. I love when things are driven by the characters themselves. Like, you can have this a choreographed fight scene and it's so boring because, like, you're like, oh, let's lie. Everyone's mm-hmm. just kicking and punching. Everyone looks like they've taken, like, several years of martial arts and it's like, but what? So it's great when people have different fighting techniques and also, or, like, no fighting techniques and they're mm-hmm. still, like, just figuring it out. Like, yeah. and that's what is. Like, you're like, oh, you're an untrained mess, but you're a mess. And it's still dangerous. <laughs> then we're finding out, like, the, there's this guy on the prisoner boat that's like, give me the detonator and I'll make the choice. Mm-hmm. And then the civilian on boat steps up to blow up the prisoner boat. Like, there's this great, like, paralleling of these two characters, like, making decisions and trying to step up to make a decision that no one else can. Right now, I apologize. I'm trying to look for the name of the actor who plays that prisoner on the boat. Oh, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah, I'm going through the IMDb right now and just because, as you can imagine, this has such a massive cast. It's like, I'm trying to find you. But anyway, um, I apologize that I don't know his name off the top of my head. But I want to say that one of the unsung heroes of this movie is this prison character. Because I love the fact that on the civilian boat, they're like, just, just blow him up. Who cares? We, we don't want to die. And this prisoner, he is the one that makes the call. You know what? We might die, but I am not going to make this choice. Even though these are people who have made their whatever mistakes they have made, whatever choices they have made that have led them to this specific path of being in prison, being on this boat. And the fact that he is the one who makes the heroic sacrificial call of, you know, I'm not going to be this person and you are not going to be this person either. And he throws it out the window. And to me, that's beautiful. And one of the, frankly, I think one of the most underrated moments in this movie is this character. I appreciate that moment so much that he's, He's one of the biggest heroes of the movie. Who can, you know, so I, I love this moment. And also it's cool because even though the Joker has been right about so many things with Batman, 
with Dent, with Gordon. I love the fact that he did not anticipate the two boats not blowing each other up because the civilians ultimately didn't do it. And the prisoners didn't do it either. And you know, like he knew, he knew that was going to happen and yet it didn't happen. And it was the action of the prisoner saying, no, no, we're not going to give in to this. We are not going to do this. I found the actor's name. His name is Tommy Tiny Lister. So he did a great job. Just a really powerful moment of him stepping up. Like, I'm going to make the decision that you can't and what you should have done at the very beginning. And he takes the detonator and chucks it out the window, like Giselle said. Yeah, he and his friends just come together, and I don't know if they're praying or what it is they're doing, but it's just like this really cool fucking moment of them just accepting, no, we're not going to die with this action, with this blood on our hands. Absolutely not. Yeah. And then we see that the civilian passenger who has stepped up to try and blow up the prisoner ship also can't do it. And yeah. just puts the detonator back down, and he goes and he sits down. So everyone sort of has made the same decision. Like, we're not going to take someone else's life for us to live and that's fucked up mm-hmm. not doing that there is this glimpse of hope right there that even though a lot of terrible things have happened coming from people's own desperation and their own loss in this moment they decided not to do that so it's like ha huh, there is hope yeah and batman says this great line of like what were you hope like joker cap like he says and here we go to see like this explosion mm-hmm. and nothing happens yep and he's like what were you hoping for people were going to be as terrible as you yeah Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So it gives you like some resurgence of hope in humanity, which is nice. Exactly, this movie. Yeah. It's a dark movie, you guys. Yeah. And then there's the third beat. This is the final beat of when Joker is about to explain how he got the scars. But this is great because he's like, but I know how, like, he's like, do you know how I got these scars? Mm-hmm. And Batman's like, no, but I know how you got these. And yeah. he shoots like gauntlet blades yeah. at his face. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I liked it. Um, and then he like, you know, chucks Joker off, <laughs> chucks him off the ledge. Yeah. And then it's sort of reminiscent of Jack Nicholson falling yeah. in the original Batman movie where he's like laughing on his way down. It's great. I like the little callback. Yeah. And, but he catches the Joker this time. So the Joker doesn't die with the wire. And, and so like Joker's hanging upside down and Joker like says he like took Gotham's white knight dent and brought him down to our level. Batman goes off to find Dent because he knows, like, what he did. This is this terrible realization on his part and recognizing, because the Joker flat out tells him, this isn't about you. This isn't just about you. This is about the soul of this city and how I am, even as we speak, crushing it. Dent was always his ace in the hole, as he says it. It's bittersweet because this is the last time we see the Joker just hanging upside down. And I love the way they do that shot, how the camera turns around rotates yes Yes, thank you how the camera rotates it's so cool because just seeing him skewed like this his clothing is is messed up and the when he's revealing his true goal this whole time just seeing him laugh as batman of course gets the fuck out of there because oh shit oh no i have to go fix something else now but (laughs) it's a it's a great way for us to like the last moment we see him is just hanging upside down feeling victorious and just laughing Mm-hmm. And it's sad that that's the last time we see him, but it's also the perfect last moment for his character. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so Gordon comes to rescue his family and then has them at the place that Rachel died, of course. And then Gordon apologizes for everything. And Two-Face has Jim, who's Gordon's son, captured. I always thought it was really funny how they like kept hiding Barbara Gordon's, like little Barbara Gordon's face, little Batgirl. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Their way of nodding like, yeah, we know. It's little baby Barbara. 
<laughs> I also find it hilarious that both James Gordon and Barbara Gordon named their kids after themselves. You know, you have juniors, you get like sons always named after their fathers. Why not? You know, like, Oh no, it's just funny. Yeah. It's just oh, so no, common. But, <laughs> and then, so then it's going to flip for everybody who like fucked up the, the city, which is like Batman himself, Jim Gordon's son. Yeah. And so, <laughs> which is supposed to just like hurt. Jim Gordon, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Dan, Dan flips for Batman and shoots him. Dan flips for himself and is saved. And then Dan flips, but Batman tackles him and Jim off the side of like this ledge. There's a lot of ledges. It's Batman. It's fine. Harvey falls. Batman grabs Jim and manages to hand him back up to Gordon before falling himself, like just <laughs> ungracefully. Batman manages to get up though, and Gordon thanks him, and Batman's like, don't thank me. And then everything will be lost if Harvey is discovered. So Batman says he'll take the rap for killing the cops that Harvey killed. Batman is the hero that Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. Yeah, it's such a great fucking line. And another one that's become a part of our common vernacular using that play on words. Yes. Yeah. And then Gordon's like, he's a white knight. He's a yeah. stalwart symbol. He's yeah. a shining light of oh, no, it's awesomeness. In- he is the savior. He is Jesus Christ superstar. He's my favorite. Yeah. He's the Pretty- one. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's calm down. No, I loved it though. No, I mean, cause this whole end sequence is so great because just seeing the face off between Two-Face and Batman, it's so sad because when Dent is talking about how he's lost everything and then you just see, like even with the cowl, like you see with Batman saying you're not the only one who's lost everything, you know, because he lost Rachel too. And just seeing the sadness there, Harvey's complete corruption talking about this is what's fair. You're asking us to be decent men in an indecent time. Just how broken he's become and just witnessing this downfall. And it's so, it's like so well done and so hard to watch, but in a good way because you're like, no, Harvey, no. Yeah. No, and the acting is great, of course. Yeah. Everyone, great performances. Even the little boy is doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is great. Totally. And so it leads up to Harvey's dying and then the realization that people can never know what Harvey did because it will undo all of the good work that has happened in Gotham recently. And just the tough choice that Batman has to make saying, no, blame me because we cannot undo the good that has been done. We have worked too hard for this. All of us have. I have. You have. So it's just this really cool moment. I remember something after the movie came out, Kevin Smith said, is that it's like the most Batman movie ever Batman or something really amusing like that. But also true because this ending, it really does represent everything about the character that, you know, I love, which is he's really at the end of the day, he's a public servant. You know, he wants what is best for Gotham. And these are, yet again, coming back to limits, but in a good way. This is what I'm willing to do because I just, I want this city to be prosperous. I want it to be happy. I don't want anyone to go through what I had to go through from that. And I like everything Gordon says. I guess Batman's running away, that whole beautiful mini monologue that he has. And what's cool it's is- very um, soap opera, over-the-top superhero fair. So it is very like, superhero. Oh, yeah, I was totally. like, I'm totally joking when I'm like, oh, oh, it's oh no, so no, fantastic, no. over the top. Oh, like. totally. And what's cool about this sequence is we have a little bit of a montage going on because we see Batman running away, now becoming the villain he needs to be. And then during the sequence, we see Alfred burning Rachel's letter, which brings up a very interesting point in this movie because it deals with morality, surveillance, what lengths should we or should we not go to for the quote-unquote greater good. And one of those is basically being lied to. The city is being lied to about Dent. Bruce is being lied to by Alfred. 
And so I think it's interesting because I don't know if I have the answer for this because that lie for Dent does benefit the city. The lie about Rachel benefits Bruce. And it makes you wonder sometimes are these lies good, you know, necessary for the greater good or is it wrong to have them in the first place? And I think it's interesting that the movie brings it up and it doesn't answer it. It's up to you to answer as an audience member, as a viewer, there is hope and it is for the betterment of the city, but they are lies. So it's, it's a very interesting, I think, topic of discussion. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I don't think it's answerable. I really don't. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's like there's no be all end all to that question because it's always a question that comes back up for all of us. I think the morality Mm -hmm. and like how good are we going to be and how we were just talking about politicians um, before we started recording and like how clean quote unquote a politician has to be and how we have to agree with all of their decisions and how that's kind of just, I mean, this is obviously an extension of what's going on in this movie, but like the view of like how, we have to agree with every single choice a person has made to be able to vote for them and rely on with their beliefs and their structure. And obviously we want to agree with as much as we possibly can. So our moral values are feeling okay. And like, you know, we don't want to be lied to obviously and stuff like that. But I think it's just an interesting additional note to kind of like talk about and think about. It's Mm -hmm. like how people make decisions and choices and hide things and why sometimes for the greater good. Like, yeah. you know, we're not, you know, like even our politicians who may be quote unquote on the right side, as like we as liberal people, well, just how and I are liberal people yeah. who, um, you know, like we think they're on the right side, but there are things that they're not sharing with everybody because mm-hmm. that's, you know, they have to have security clearance and, you know, they can't, you know, just for, security of civilization and like well-being of people and so yeah it's a lot of um yeah a lot of good questions are raised like how much knowledge people be allowed access to yeah what's a good lie what's a bad lie what's exactly and uh, i agree with everything and that's one of the what i appreciate about this movie and this story so much is that they included those kinds of themes it's so thoughtful in that regard. And that's why I made that comment earlier about how I thought it was incredibly relevant when it came out in 2008. And frankly, I think it's more relevant now with everything that's happening. It's a very thoughtful movie, which is cool because when you come down to it, it's a movie about a rich dude who dresses up like a bat and beats people up. And yet, and yet it is so beautifully relevant. So anyway, it's a great ending and just, it just made as someone who's been a fan of this character, ever since I can literally remember. I thought this was a movie that touched upon everything I adore about that character and about this kind of story, and I just appreciate it so much. And that's why, um, yeah, it's great. It's fucking great. I fucking love this movie. (laughs) I mean, it's hard not to love it. It's fucking, it's fabulous. I mean, there are parts of it that bother me. Obviously, we talked about it till, I mean, we talked about this movie for a good long while, so (laughs) I think we've touched down on a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a long movie. It's two and a half hours long. I think it's too long. That's fine. I don't think we were talking, I think before we started recording again, that I think superhero movies to me shouldn't be more than two hours long. I don't think a lot of movies should be more than two hours long. I think getting to two and a half, getting close to three, it becomes a little exhausting to watch. And I'm just like, tell the story what's happening. You know, I think this, it's such a great adventure. It's such a good story. The characters are great. The, The general plot narrative, everything is just, aces i mean it's and it's way better i think it's such a big step up from batman begins but which i still like a Mm -hmm. lot the third one 
happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you're not a fan of the third one. Not my favorite movie. What should we rate this by? God. Batarangs? Batarangs? Yeah. Is that safe? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking something joker related, but let's do batarangs. That's batarangs. fine. That's okay, great. So out of how many, out of how many battering, out of five, how many batarangs would you give this? I would probably give it like a four batarang, mm-hmm. four batarangs, four. I mean, it's very, it's very good. Four and a quarter. It's, I mean, it's good. It's a yeah. good movie. I mean, the nitpicky shit that I have brings it down a little bit because those are things that I want to see everyone improve on and that sort of stuff. But like overall, the, the narrative and the story and the characters and everything is just fucking great. Yeah. Great movie. Totally awesome. I give it 4.75 out of five batarangs. This, as we mentioned, this is one of my favorite movies ever. And as far as everything you said, as far as length, the funny thing is I don't feel the length when I watch it because I get so engrossed in the story that the length, you know, I don't think it's too long. I think it's the perfect length for the movie. There aren't any scenes that I think we can do without. I think they all serve a purpose in the story, establishing something, moving the story forward and whatnot. It's considered one of the best superhero movies ever made. And one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it legitimized superhero movies. You know, a lot of people, I mean, not so much now, obviously every other movie that comes out now is a comic book movie, which I think, which I think is really cool. And this was the first one that I think people who may not have been originally comic book fans realize these are valuable characters with valuable things to say. And as someone who grew up with these characters, I appreciated that it made people recognize these aren't characters to look down upon just because of the medium they came from, which is a great medium in itself. But, you know, people have their attitudes towards comic books. That's fine. You don't have to like them if you don't want to. That's not your cup of tea. That's totally fine. But it's important to recognize you shouldn't judge the quality of characters from the medium they come from. It's an incredible, true, cinematic experience, really utilizing the form, utilizing IMAX, utilizing narrative, and really appreciating these characters, how they relate to each other, what they represent. And as I said, just because these people are wearing makeup and have capes and cowls, it doesn't mean that they aren't incredible characters worth appreciating. It's a great, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, Giselle, do you want to take a really quick quiz? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so we found, uh, well, Giselle, I should give credit where credit is due, (laughs) um, a great uh, Batman quiz. Yes. So this determines which Batman are you. Yes. So it's on Mm brainfall.com, and I'm sure you can find it really easily. Yeah. Take it yourself. Yes. Find out. Awesome. Okay, so the first question. Sometimes even Batman needs help cleaning up crime. Which super friend are you calling for backup? And the choices are Superman, Flash, Aquaman, or Hawkman. I'm calling Aquaman. Yes. I'm calling Wonder Woman. Oh, that's not a choice. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will probably pick uh, Flash. I always like Flash. Yeah. It depends on which Flash, but, you know, the majority oh. of them are really- I think we all know which Aquaman I'm picking. Yeah. It's Moa. <laughs> <laughs> Just as the answer to every question, Aquaman, Aquaman, Jason Momoa. Like, Jason Momoa's abs. Jason Momoa's abs. Jason Momoa's abs. Great. Yes. Okay. So, the next question. Batman doesn't get much of a social life, but he does have an eye for the ladies. Which is your favorite? Options are Vicky Vale, Catwoman, Talia al Ghul, or Wonder Woman. See, for Batman, though... As like his opposite, I would go with Catwoman. Same. 
because she's just fucking boss and I love her. Yeah, she's fucking awesome, yeah. Okay. So, Batman is a man of many moods. Which one captures you the best? Brooding, dancing. Dancing's a mood, apparently, you guys. Um, So, there's that. (laughs) Friendly or crazy? Um, I'm going to pick dancing because that's hilarious. Yeah, I think dancing, too. It's like, I just want to dance. I'm a dancey Batman. I just want to dance. All right. Robin is Batman's partner in crime fighting. Do you want this kid hanging around while you take on the bad guys? I'm going to say holy nope. I'm going to say holy yep. I love Robin. (laughs) Robin's great. No, I totally, I know, I totally like Robin. It's just like, do I get a choice of Robin, though? Do I get a choice Mm, of Yeah, you want Dick Grayson or Tim Drake. Yeah. You don't want Jason Todd. (laughs) Or Jason Todd. (laughs) Or you want Stephanie Brown, who is also Robin. Yes. Like, second, she was great. Freaking Stephanie Brown is awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Stephanie Brown is awesome. Spoiler is fantastic. I love her. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're nerds, and I love it. So the Joker is Batman's number one arch enemy. Which actor is the number one Joker? Uh oh. Cesar Romero. Ooh. Who declined to shave. Uh, Love it. Jack Nicholson, who's fabulous. Yes. Heath Ledger, who is terrifying, but yeah. also fantastic. Or Jared Leto. So which one are you? I know you're probably doing Heath Ledger, right? I am. I am. I think, God, it's so hard. No, I know. It's, Literally choosing between my children. I, I I'm probably going to go with Jack. And okay. this, I mean, I, tomorrow it could be Heath Ledger. Gotham's <laughs> a big city. Which is your preferred way to get around? Batmobile, Batplane, Batboat, Batcycle. Obviously, I'm choosing that Batcycle. I think that is the coolest fucking thing that oh, I Oh, I'm doing the Batmobile because, again, I'm scared of motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. The last one, there was a motorcycle option, too, and I was like, motorcycle, yeah! <laughs> okay, last question. Which Batman are you? Can you do the Batusi? Which That's, is from the original Batman. Oh, I so. can do that. I can do that. Me too. Yeah. I love the the, the, uh, the answers are yes, no, and the what? <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so submitting to find out our answer. Submitting. Get result. Analyzing responses. Which one are you? I'm George Clooney. Oh no! <laughs> oh dear. When you tell people you were the Batman, they don't even remember it, which may be for the best. What is for the best is that you're the biggest star in the room. That's not wrong. And nobody can tell you different. So use that easy charm and chat somebody special into a night out in the Batmobile. It works every time. What? Not mad about the description for the most part. All right, which one are you? I am Adam West. Yeah! (laughs) I'm the original caped crusader. Droll and funny and even a little bit silly at times. You know that all this superhero business is nothing to get too serious about. Why so serious? Mm. You can fight crime by day and dance the Batusi all night long. Nice. Very nice. I will use my fun. I will use my bat credit card to pay for my feelings. Uh, what? Credit card? Yeah. Um ridiculous. Yeah. Just ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, Giselle, I think that was really a great conversation. Yes. Very long, but yes. lots of fun. Lots of fun. Um Oh, guys, please rate, review, mm-hmm. spread the word, tell your friends, your neighbors, your cohorts, whatever. 
Um, and thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Please let us know your thoughts, anything you agreed with, disagreed with, with anything we brought up, anything you think we left out that we should not have. We would love to talk about it with you. Yeah. I don't know how we would have left anything out though. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> <Good Lord>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time.